The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington, Ontario, nestled under the Niagara Escarpment between Rattlesnake Point and Mount Nemo. Crosswinds offers breathtaking million-dollar views, spectacular golf, and outstanding customer service. And that's what it's all about, right? Customer service. You want to be treated like a king or a queen. At Crosswinds, you're treated like a member of a private club, even though it's a public golf course. The facilities are outstanding, but it's the people that make the real difference at Crosswinds. You'll know what I mean when you go. Don't take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Go to crosswindsgolf.com and book your tee time online now. You will love it. And don't forget, tell them Hebsey sent you. Now, Mike, let's start the podcast. I never get to hear the whole song. Thank you, Los Lobos. And live from Toronto, it's Hebsey on Sports episode number 246. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another hopefully scintillating edition of the show. I don't know how we topped last week's show, <laughs> but we're going to try our best. Mark Hebsher here in Little Italy. That's a portion of Toronto. I'm going to say bounded by Bathurst, Ossington, College, and Dundas. How's that? Little Italy. Uh, and my buddy Joe. Hey, Mark, Mark. What's with the Leafless here? I just noticed that Austin Matthews is on the uh, he's on the cover of uh, EA Sports. It's twice now. Uh, has he ever won a round of the playoffs before? What the fuck's going on? That's Joe from Little Italy. Toronto Mike is in um, Long Branch. No, sorry. New Toronto. Gateway to Long Branch. I apologize. I always get those mixed up. Those are all the go station stops along the way, right? Uh, well, New Toronto doesn't even have a go station. Stop. No. <laughs> we're in the middle. No, you yeah. got the 101. You got Mimico and you got Long Branch, and we're kind of in the middle. Right. All right. Now that you're all caught up on the geography of Toronto, welcome. Today in the program, the Blue Jays are slip sliding away from, from a potential playoff spot. According to the experts, they have a 17% chance of making the postseason. It's actually 16.6%, but as you know, we round it up. Yes. 17% chance. That's kind of like... I don't know, catching an inside straight to beat the three of a kind? I don't know, whatever the numbers are. Not good odds. Uh, now that George Springer is hurt again and the bullpen has imploded again, the Jays are looking a little less than desirable. Hope you didn't have any money on them making the postseason. We'll get into that story, plus the trials and tribulations of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who might not even get a first-place vote for MVP. He's having an amazing year. He might not. He probably won't get a first-place vote because they're all going to go to Shohei Otani who's remarkable, and we'll talk about him. Speaking of incredible, amazing, how about Joey Votto getting better and better as he nears his 38th birthday? You know, he's from Etobicoke, mm -hmm. Richview Collegiate. Joey Votto, what a hitter. And he's having a renaissance, a resurgence at age almost 38. I love these stories. It's like a Paul Molitor story. You know, people find, oh, Paul Molitor, he's way too old. Remember, oh, he's too old. Sure. He's awesome. Man. He was, I think he might have been one of the best players in Major League history after the age of 35. I think when he was about 35, he was not a Hall of Fame candidate at all. And then he just became a much better hitter, clutch hitter, champion. If we remove those who dope, yes. 
Because 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 Barry Bonds gets that title if you count the uh, the Dovers. Barry Bonds doesn't exist to me. I'm sorry, I can't get over that one. I just guys, his head is three times the size it was before. He had to be on some kind of like major league, you know, the juice, the cream, and the clear. Right. Forget that. Bianca and Chapo disappoint, but Felix is onto the quarters in Cincinnati, getting tuned up for the U.S. Open. Naomi Osaka suffers another upset too. She's having she's having a tough year. This poor girl. Uh, Josie Altador announces on Instagram that he's had knee surgery. Kind of weird. Didn't hear it from the reporters. Hmm. It's from his Instagram. Oh, here's me in a cast. Hmm. I had surgery this morning, by the way. Well, do you think the season is over? Like, wasn't it a long time ago for TFC? I mean, they've fallen off the map. I haven't paid much attention to them at all. Uh, lots of golf action. There's a top 125 teed up at the Northern Trust Challenge. It's part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. I'll tell you about the original Pistol Pete the original Pistol Pete, and why you should never underestimate me if we happen to meet on public transit. Wow. First up, let's say hello to the man who has the smoothest balls of mm. anybody south of Bloor Street. It's Toronto Mike. Hello, Hebsy man. How you doing, buddy? Is that for an intro? I, well, it's true. It's uh, You can say that if it's <laughs> true. I was introducing you at a banquet like that. Ladies and gentlemen, just want to put your hands together. One of the community leaders here in New Toronto and the man with the smoothest <laughs> balls. Here he is. It's a dream come and true. Happy birthday to your lovely wife. 35, Monica is? Is that right? <laughs> uh, it's a milestone birthday. I'll leave it at that. But she's a uh, robber, you. <laughs> uh, not necessarily 35, but you're not far off. Let's put it that way. But happy birthday, Monica. Uh, happy birthday. She's got she to put up with you, man. You know, she should get a medal. <laughs> oh, more than that. <laughs> right. So in the meantime, what, and you told me she loves the lawnmower 4.0. Oh, my God. She, I should get her down here for a testimonial. But yeah, the lawnmower 4.0. I know. I don't know. We should. I'll find out if she'll do it. But uh, lawnmower four point oh, uh, it's, it's super easy to use. You use it too, right, Hebsy? I mean, your balls are uh, yesterday, man. Are thanking you as yeah, well? Because I went for a nice bike ride and it was super hot. And uh, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be clean down there. And yeah. It's got to be fresh down there. You don't want tugging. Got to have the right. ball toner, right? You know, and I got to have the uh, the ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner. Man, I love my boxer briefs. Everything about Manscaped is great for me, and it will be for you too. If you if you have any uh, unwanted or unsightly, uh, you know, material south of your border, okay, <laughs> below the waist, grooming at its best, Manscaped.com. And if you use the promo code Hebsy on checkout, H E B S Y, twenty percent off and free shipping. Come on, get out. Let of me here. wet my whistle. Help me out. Help out the show. Manscaped.com. All right, Mike and I would not be talking about it this way. In such glowing terms, right? Unless it was a great company that had great products. We right. eat our own dog food here, right? Well, well put. Now I don't know how to put this any other way. Oh, first of all, Otis update. Saw him yesterday. He's starting to bore me. This cat. <laughs> no, really, he just ignores me. He doesn't seem to be interested in me. He never was. I'm getting further and further away from having any feelings for this cat. But other cats in the neighborhood, I'm starting to like. <laughs> That have personality. We'll get into that another time. Okay, can I just right. say though, there was a perfect yeah. song for that sentiment. Uh, Gautier, uh, now that Otis is just somebody that you used to know. Shout out to Gautier. Big hit. Good one, Gautier. Yeah, someone I used to know. I don't know how to put this any other way. The Blue Jays are doomed. I mean, you can... When the weather forecast says 95% rain, you can look through that little, and yeah, no, it, it might not rain on us. Or if it does just a short little sprinkle and we'll be fine in the backyard barbecue, we'll be okay. And we won't have to cancel golf. But this team's doomed. The clouds are getting thicker and darker on a daily basis. Doomed. 
to finish out of the playoff picture, the postseason. Uh, what are we calling this now, Mike? Is this officially the playoffs if you make the wild card? See, I say that is the playoffs. I have a buddy, Chris Cooksey, shout out to Cookie. I would say so too. He says that it, that's a play in and he doesn't call that the playoffs, but that's on him. I think it is technically um, the playoffs. Now, was he the same guy who, when they went from just having an American League pennant winner facing the National League pennant winner for the World Series, when they went to divisions, did he go nuts then too? He's a traditionalist, right? I, I don't know. Okay, listen. <laughs> Whatever. The postseason. They're doomed. Currently, Toronto listed at 16.6% to make the playoffs, according to fan graphs. Um, we're calling it 17%, right? There's a chance, right? right? The problem is, less than two weeks ago, they were over 40%. That's not good. Here's what happened. Let me let me recap here. Even before George Springer foolishly attempted a circus incredible highlight reel catch and fucked up his knee, oh sorry, his ankle, no, his quad, no, his Achilles. Oh God, all of them, none of them, his groin, his oblique, everything, whatever lower body injury the Jays want to call it, and they've been stumbling over themselves. Oh, it's an, I mean, an, I mean, he's going to be fine. I mean, I don't know what to say. Don't they sound like a bunch of bumbling idiots? I mean, I feel bad for Charlie Montoya. It really does. I think he's in over his head in more ways than one. But Charlie, don't say anything. It's all positive about George Springer. Okay. Got it. You know, oh no, George came into my office and he was dancing. He was doing actually a tango and said, I can play this weekend. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. You're lying. You're covering up. His knee has been fucked up since spring training, since they got him. Why do you think they got him for $150 million? There was something wrong there. I'm convinced of it. And they said, ah, everything will be okay. He had arthroscopic, or he didn't have it, or they rehabbed it. Because that's what usually happens with athletes. Is, oh, no, no, we're going to rehab it. We're not going for surgery, right? Because we don't want to go on the free agent market being surgically repaired, George Springer. But if you look at his last few years, he has not played a complete schedule. Anyway... He foolishly attempted this catch. Uh, the Jays were already struggling, okay? They split with the Angels on the road. They were losing two of three to the Mariners. It flamed out in D.C. after Springer went down. And right now, they got to jump three teams in order to get the final wild card spot, the play-in spot, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So you got the Red Sox. Well, maybe they'll lose every game from here on in, and the Jays will overtake them. You got the A's. Probably won't lose the rest of their games. And you got the Mariners who are surging in their game and a half in front of Toronto. So there's three teams you got to jump to get that last playoff spot, which is, by the way, that's the you're the road team for that one game, that one playoff game, one and done. Right, man. And who do you start in that one game? How do you set up your rotation for that one game? Oh my God, my brain's going to explode. <laughs> the Red Sox, the A's, the Mariners. I mean, if can all three of those teams go for a shit while the Jays play 650 baseball? <laughs> Probably not. But you got to start somewhere. Somebody, I'm trying to think who it was. Oh, I think it was Ben Ennis on the fan. Shout out to Ben. Came out with this thing earlier this week. If the Jays can go 12-0 and against Baltimore right. and 5-0 and against Washington, like all the shitty teams they were going to play, yeah, right? If they can like run the table against all these teams, then they only have to play 500 against these teams. And if it was like an impossibility, it was, it was actually pretty funny, you know, cause it's people are going, listen, Baltimore sucks. If Baltimore's lost 15 in a row or whatever, the Jays can easily sweep all 10 games or however many they got left. Like that was like a given a like check mark check. 
and any baseball fan knows that a terrible team will beat a very good baseball team, you know, one out of three times. Like, this is just baseball. Right. Right. So now we look at the schedule and go, okay, they're going to win two out of three. is not going to be going to sweep down. And they got the Tigers in this weekend. The Tigers, a team that, that blew a 52-run lead yes. last, yesterday against California. Right? A team that's capable of giving up runs every single inning. And the Jays are expected to sweep this team. And if they don't, then they're not on their way to winning 10 in a row or whatever they need to do. And then they got the White Sox for four, who are a fantastic team. Oh, my God. Now, the other thing is about Springer is I just think he's just selfish. I just think that as he's going up to try to make this amazing catch, which which wouldn't have been a game-saving catch. I mean, let's face it. You want to stop an extra base hit. But I mean, at some point you got to go, man. That's my, that could be dangerous. Uh, you know, should I let the ball drop and maybe it's a double or triple and a couple run score, or should I risk twisting my ankle, Achilles, knee, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or smashing it into the fence, getting a concussion, whatever it was. But I got to make up for it. Is he thinking this while he's in the air? Because I've fucked up all year and I've been on the disabled list. The, the injured well, list that's twice. Full effort. I've got to make this catch now to make up for it. That's full effort. I mean, it's tough for an, uh, an elite athlete to kind of pull down the throttle. Like, like essentially, you got you, you give it your whoa, all. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't know if you think that's selfish. Go back what we just said. Like, it's, and so you're telling me an elite athlete has to know when to not give a hundred percent, like when Correct. that hurts the team in the moment. But you would fault exactly. somebody for making yeah. the wrong decision yeah. there. That's right. You have to determine at that point, at that very moment. Am I going to attempt to make a play, to make a spectacular play in my mind? And what are the consequences if I don't? Dude, it's like running across the street between traffic. You're hoping like hell that the guy in the far lane isn't going over the speed limit or you're, you're done. And he's in the midair there going in. And, and if you take a look at that catch he tried to make, oh, that would have been sensational. And he had made one earlier in the week that was like the play of the week where he made this incredible diving catch. But in the moment is great. That's all great. But what did you do for your team, man? Yeah, okay. I'm going to side with the commenters on your YouTube page who are enjoying this live uh, and say that in that moment, his decision to go for the ball and give it his all, it's difficult for me to criticize that decision and call him selfish. Okay, that's up to you. I say that was great in the moment. It would have been a spectacular play. It would have certainly helped the team, but it would have helped him more, if you know what I mean. In hindsight, it's twenty twenty, right? Like if he, you know. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, but as a professional and as a team player, or supposedly a team player, a guy looks in the dugout, he looks like he wants to be part of the team. He's not a, you know, grousing or sitting there like you know upset and pouting because, you know, he's collecting his hundred and fifty million and not playing. I get it. He wants to. I get it. But still, you're an adult. You're thirty one years old. No. If you honestly are worried that you're going to get criticized for not trying to make a leap. Try to look like freaking Bob Beeman on the triple on the long jump there. But take a look at what he tried to do. Incredibly athletic. And wait a second, hold it. Didn't you just miss three months with a quad, ankle, knee? Didn't you just, didn't we just say, God damn it, Springer, you're back after missing all this time. You better not get hurt again. Well, then DH Got him. It. Then DH him. Fine. Like, like if he's out there, he's uh, got to give uh, 100%. Uh, right. Then DH him. And stop with this nonsense. Because you got this guy for five years, man, and you, you can't afford to have him on the disabled list all the time. And have there's the, way too many guys whose careers ended up being, oh, yeah, he was always hurt. Always hurt. Always fucking hurt. 
Now we talked. We talked about this on the red carpet, and you denied it. But now that I'm actually recording the podcast, I'm just going to ask you again: Are you sure you don't have a a a, a axe to grind with Springer because of his involvement with the Astros and the cheating scandal? Not at all. I think if you go back when he was signed, I never. All I said was, "This is amazing. This is awesome." Not once did I say, "Hey, I'm worried that he's going to poison the clubhouse, or his teammates aren't going to like him, or he's going to get booed, or anything like that." Man, at that particular point, I'm totally selfish as a Jays fan. I I don't want to know about your past. Can you play ball for this team? You're going to be a phenomenal leadoff hitter, man, for this team. Let's go back. I was I'm 100% a fan, but I mean, he's disappointed me this year. Okay, I mean, and it, I'm sure he's disappointed a lot of people, but man, when he's playing, he's fucking great. <laughs> he's great. So, and but he's not playing often enough. That's the whole thing. I know. So just to and clarify, what if though, it was Vladdy? What if he came off the DL and he was fucking fabulous for a month, six weeks, and carrying the fucking team? And then he went down with that same injury, the knee or whatever. We, you'd be going, we'd be going, he's not losing weight, he's not in shape, he's too injury prone. Let's DH him. Okay. Jesus fucking Christ, Mike. This is really. Mm, mm. This is where we need George Springer. This is like when Yastrzemski carried the Red Sox on his back for the entire month of September and got a team that was like 100 to 1 into the World Series. Yastrzemski carried the team on his back. Can't Springer do that? Of course he can. He did for two weeks or three weeks. Am I right? Uh, You know, you're correct. Absolutely. Okay. All right. (laughs) And this whole thing, you know, the day after he goes down, Charlie Montoyo says, oh, no, he's fine. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be making fun of Charlie's Spanish accent. You have to understand something. I'm not a racist. I'm not Jack Morris. Uh, I'm not th- uh, stupid like that. This is a podcast. This is kind of way. I, but I mean, I, I, I kind of like Charlie's lilt. And, and I'm pretty good at um, mimicking people. I was going to ask you about I that. Mimic. I took a note, I'm actually. I'm not a, it's not racist. It's a, I'm a mimic. So you're imitating okay. him. You're not mocking him. him. Not at all. Not at all. Because Charlie, he does. He has a, I like the way he, he has a very soft do you know what I mean? Well, when I heard you do the it's first... It's engaging. I like it. I hear you. I hear I you. I tend to speak that way sometimes when I'm with people. <laughs> do you know, have you ever done that? You've gone to a foreign country and you end up wa- wanting to speak with the correct accent, with the proper pronunciation. Right. Do you know what I mean? You don't sure. say, uh, bonjour. You go, bonjour. Right. But, Hebsey, it is interesting, okay? Because you, you imitated Joe in Little Italy and I had I thought Joe, nothing of it. Yeah, right. He's a character. But when you did your Charlie, I actually had a moment, I took a note of like, are you, is it okay no, to do that? You're sensitive. I got it. You're overly sensitive. And you have to understand another thing. When it was acceptable and part of culture, um, however many years ago, yeah, I did it on television. And uh, um, no one complained because it was done sure. for, for fun to mimic as opposed to make fun of. Uh, I think, you know, and it's hard to look at someone's intent and say that their intention was to to, to piss you off or to prove that they're racist. But, but anyway, it, but I, it's I, fair. I, I know last note on that though, though, if but I do like, but, but Mike, Mike, I love the way he speaks. <laughs> I do. And I think I do a pretty good Charlie Montoya. So when he's explaining, look, man, that's like Ricky Ricardo, man, I'm sorry. And it's not being racist. So I'm okay, not sorry, but I'm not if, if this was a terrestrial radio show, would you? Be, oh, I couldn't do it. Of course right. not. Oh, I know, no, I so wouldn't. It's think interesting, of it. right? It's interesting. No, I wouldn't think of it. But that just goes to show you that the restrictions, you know, put on like, you know, viewer complaints or listener complaints are huge. Canadian Broadcast Standards Council slap you on the wrist. They call the radio station. The little writers, we've gotten a complaint from a listener who's, uh, and here's, you know, we got the transcript of the tape. We've listened to it. Not here. So, I, and I love, and if I meet Charlie Montoya 
And he says to him, you know, Mark, I, I, I don't like you trying to imitate me. And I'd say, Charlie, we've never met before. I think you're great. Like, you seem to be a very nice guy. I don't think you're a great baseball manager, but I love the way you speak and I enjoy mimicking you, but not to make fun of you, right. to be able to prove that I can do it. <laughs> That's about it, man. So, so Charlie Montoya says, George is fine. In fact, George came in and said, I'm good. And I'm gonna, maybe I play this weekend. I'm good. Okay. And you're like, all right, that sounds good. And then the next day, his quote is something like, um, well, we don't know if, uh, we don't know if uh, he'll be back this season. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Rewind this. You hope to have him back. It's like, I hope to have him back before the end of the season. Whoa, what the hell? And at first I thought, well, maybe Charlie, maybe his English isn't as good as I thought it was. And he meant to say something else. He didn't mean to say, we hope to have him back before the end of the season. He must have meant something else, but he didn't. So that's a huge turnaround. That's a, that's a 180 in one day from maybe we'll have him this weekend to like, we hope to have him back before the end of the season. And then the next day it was like, well, it's only a grade one sprain and, and he's week to week. Now I swear I've never heard that. In the NFL, I've heard that, but I've never heard week to week. Right. He's either day to day. He's going on the 10 day DIA, whatever. But this week to week thing is every Monday you can check. Don't talk to me Thursday. Don't talk to me Monday. I'll let you know. Okay. Now on a Monday, does it have to be, let me, I'll talk to you next Monday. In other words, this week is gone. Or can we check in with you Thursday to see if this week might be the week? Oh God. And now the other one is Alec Manoa. Okay, now this is a this is a weird but it's puzzling and not a lot of people have talked about it. It's very mysterious. He throws 53 pitches. All right, I gave up six runs, but still you know, only 53 pitches and he leaves the game. Now he's down seven to one or whatever. But really, 53 pitches. He threw 114 pitches the week before. Charlie left him in there, 114 pitches, and then he got pissed off. He was pissed that he got pulled in after six and two thirds, that he couldn't get the third out of the seventh inning. But he was at 114. I'm thinking this guy's thrown a total of like 62 innings in the major leagues. 114 pitches is a lot. Let's see how he responds. But what I didn't know, and I don't know if anyone did, was he suffered a family tragedy before he went out, I think, mm. before he went out and pitched that game. His head was not in that game. That pickoff that he tried was not a, he was somewhere else, man. That was just, you know, glad he wasn't ready for it. It was just, and so we find out that Tim Mesa had been recalled. They had contacted him earlier that day or the night before and said, we got to get you to Toronto, right? Or to Washington, sorry. Um, Cause you're going to take Manoa's spot on the roster. Cause once Manoa's start is done, he goes on the bereavement list. You take his spot on the roster. Weird, eh? Because the team didn't say anything. But the timing of it was strange. So you're thinking 53 pitches, man. Like, why not leave him in there, save the bullpen? He's already down six runs. Let him learn. Like, give him 80 pitches or whatever. So you're thinking, well, 53 pitches, it's got to be his arm. It's got to be tired because he threw 114 the week before. Um, But maybe not. Maybe it was because he was told maybe hours before the game, Mm. someone died. Shit. I'm supposed to start today, man. He'd want me to do it, or not he, whoever the loved one was that passed, you know, would want me to start this game, right? I'm ready, I'm prepared to start this game. Let's go out there. Right. And it could have just been like he's in a fog. The poor guy, right? So we don't know enough about that. But that, but but still, 
doesn't that go through Montoyo? Like, shouldn't Montoyo have said, oh, by the way, Alec found out that somebody oh. passed away and he's on the bereavement list and we've called up Tim Meza and we knew about it this morning. We didn't want to say anything because he was pitching. And maybe that's why he only lasted 53 pitches. Well, it might be personal information that Charlie doesn't know yeah. he should disclose. So Correct. But still, do we want the Jays to be mysterious this way? Well, you think the media, the, the beat writers and such are kind of a little in the, like, how come we don't know this? And when they do find out stuff about the Jays, a lot of times it's from the national media, the Ken Rosenthal's and the people like that. I don't know. Like for all we know, like, you know, it could be a, his best friend took his own life or something where he's, right. you know, you know, very sensitive. Correct. But still he, from, from what I understand, he knew about it before he took to the mound. Interesting. And we found out about it that, once he had left already. The other thing is how long is he on the bereavement list? He could come back and make a start Monday against the White Sox, a scheduled start. Right. Um, or he could, I think you're allowed to stay on or not allowed, but I think they give you up to 10 days, I think, or maybe three to seven days. I think it's three to seven days, a bereavement list. And then you would have to put him on some kind of injured list and free up a roster spot. Anyway. So the other thing with Charlie is I think this is his last season at the helm, no matter what, even if he gets them into the playoffs, I think this is it. Mm. Yeah, I think he's in over his head. I, I believe every decision he makes to go to the bullpen seems to have been met with disaster. And I, he either pulls the starter too early or leaves them in too long. He's hampered by the three-batter rule. The thing I'm most concerned about is when you bring a reliever into the game, do you want to know if that reliever was throwing well in the bullpen? Or does it not matter? how he's throwing in the bullpen. He just needs to get warmed up. Once he's into the game, it's totally different. Does he need to be throwing well? Because if he's throwing like shit in the bullpen and you're not asking and he's going, no, no, I'm fine. Because no pitcher, even if he's throwing like shit in the bullpen, is going to go, I can't come in. Like, tell, tell him I can't. Like, whatever you tell, whatever you do, don't tell him, tell him, don't tell him I'm ready. I don't think a pitcher, a competitive major league pitcher is going to go, uh, but if he's got not good stuff, and what, the bullpen catcher is going to go, and the bullpen catcher is not the backup catcher anymore. He's a bullpen. That's all he does. He doesn't have any authority. What, he's going to go over and say, he's got nothing. He's got shit. No, put him in. No chance. So I'm always concerned about this. Do they know if he was pitching well in the pen? And if so, would they say, let's get three guys warmed up? five guys warmed up. Let's get a bunch of guys because if he's not pitching well in the bullpen and he's not pitching well in the bullpen, let's try him. And I think that's what Charlie's hampered with. He doesn't know or doesn't care whether the guy's throwing well in the bullpen or not. Because I can't believe that these guys are throwing bullets in the bullpen. Then they come out and boom, they get lit up. Do you think that's just me. Montoyo sort of like a Kevin Malone, right? Like sort of like here for a team that can't compete. And then once the team is ready to do something, get in a real, they're ready. Yeah. Yes, I know. So the other thing is, too, the poor, the poor guy's been hampered. And I say the poor guy because you're the, these are the players you've got. The better the players you have, the easier it is to make managerial decisions. You can make one that backfires and you can get bailed out because somebody hits a three-run homer, all that stuff. But this dude had Tyler Chatwood on his team. This guy had Rafael Dolis on his team. Now he's got Brad Hand on his team. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, if there was a time where we had earlier this year, we had Julian Merriweather and Jordan Romano blowing people away and Ryan Barucki. What happened to Ryan Barucki? Has it been five years of Ryan Barucki injured? Have we ever said, wow, Ryan Barucki, he, who, he looks good, man. Put Barucki in there. No, I haven't. 
He's been incredibly mediocre. He's been a little better than Anthony Kay. Uh, and by the way, Nate Pearson, man, threw another perfect inning for Buffalo with a strikeout. Eight pitches, six strikes. Let's go. What are we waiting for now? What do you got to lose now? Bring him up. Nate, you're our guy in the bullpen. 100 miles an hour. Let's go. Come on. But not George Springer. I don't know for how much longer because George Springer for his third time this season is on the IL. All right. He's brittle. He's injury prone. What's the opposite of durable, Mike? Fragile. Okay. You said it. Huh. Well, I answered the opposite question. What what's your opinion on George Springer? Uh, we I'm glad we finally opened up the uh, the vault, opened up the wallet, spent the big bucks to get a uh, proven uh, you know MVP candidate, if you will. And uh, it's unfortunate he's been he's been injured this year. But I don't have the same um, like I don't consider him necessarily selfish. I think that he's dealing with some injury, and hopefully we get a full healthy season from him next year. Because you're right, he's he's locked in for a while. So if he really wants to help the team, what should he do? If he really wants to help this team win, what should he do? Well, he's got to rehab. Go for it. Go after everything. <laughs> We're back to that. Should end. he? You know, I'm going to I'm going to move this story up because I have to tell it right now. Okay, go ahead. Then. I remember I my grandfather telling me this story, and I and I can't remember that we were watching a player many years ago who just kept running into the freaking outfield wall. Oh, Bump Wilson. That the guy, huh? the natural. Remember the natural? The guy ran through the wall. <laughs> I think it was Bump. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, listen. So my grandfather tells me a story of a guy named Pete Reeser. Pistol Pete Reeser. He was an outfielder, an outstanding center fielder for the Brooklyn Dodgers in the early 1940s. So in 1941, if you know anything about baseball history, 1941 was the year that Joe DiMaggio had a 56-game hitting streak. And in that same season, Ted Williams was the last batter to hit 400. He hit 406. Right. Now, those are two of the most remarkable records in all of sport. Not just baseball. Pretty much unbreakable. From the time it occurred, the 56-game hitting streak was like, nobody's going to break that. But at the same time, nobody was going to break Lou Gehrig's streak of consecutive games played. But there's a difference. No offense, but going to work every single day, dragging your ass to work every single day to set a record is a lot different from, from every day cracking a freaking baseball and getting, and getting on base. 56 games, and that's remarkable. Unbelievable. It shattered the previous record by 12 games. So anyway... During that same season, 1941, in the National League, the National League, an outfielder by the name of Pete Reeser, 22 years of age, won the batting title, led the league in triples, stolen bases on base percentage, like ran the table basically offensively. Not a word was spoken because that was the year of DiMaggio and Williams, even though it was in the American League. A lot of people talked about it, but it wasn't that big a deal. And... So it just so happened that his breakout season as a young man was against two legendary seasons. The only problem with Pete Reeser was this. He could only play one way. And people loved this about him. He never gave an inch. He ran out to, he ran to first base on every ground ball. He ran everything out. And in the outfield, he did everything in his power to catch the ball. So much so that he set a, a record. Now, this can't be confirmed as, as a record, but at least 12 times in his career, he was taken off the field, carted off the field, stretchered off the field with injuries and concussions in center field. Wow. 
because he ran into walls and ran into unpadded walls and fences. Did we have and a dove and, and twisted his body and did anything possible to catch the ball because he felt that anything less than that, that that effort would not be appreciated by the fans. Admirable. Guts. Smartest thing in the world? No. Care about his body? No. Again, admirable. Team player, right? But not if you're not in the lineup. And if you're hurt all the time and you're costing your team wins, then you're not that Ted player. You've got to learn to dial it down. And that's not just baseball. That's in life. You know that. And this was Pete Reeser. Wow. 100% full out. Now, this, he wasn't doing this because he had just signed a $150 million contract. <laughs> no. This is the way he was. And I'm wondering if that's the way George Springer is or George Springer is playing to justify the $150 million contract. His contract, not his relationship with his teammates or the fans of Toronto or, or being a, a Blue Jay. But he's thinking at that moment, I'm a $150 million free agent. I've got to make this catch. I've got to make the effort to make this catch. And damn the torpedoes. And then he falls awkwardly. And then everybody, the place is quiet. You saw the looks on the players' faces? Jesus Christ. We just, he's down, man. But, Hebsey, that's also what makes him great. Like, I think some some players have, they only have the two gears. Like, it's all or nothing. And And it's flawed. But that's so great. He's he's so, he gives 100. We love to say he gives 100%. But, yeah, you're right, Mike. He's a proven commodity. Can we dial it down? Can we in the moment say, I have to save my teammates. I can't afford to get injured. I'm injury prone. Don't do it. You don't get hurt. Even if he, what if he made the catch, saved the game, crashed and was out for the season? It's very- you, we would think differently of him because he made the catch, Mike. <laughs> so the rest doesn't matter. He made the catch to save the game and was out for the rest of the season. And there you go. The hero falls. But in essence, you look and go, what a dumbass, stupid play. Put his team in jeopardy. They were, could have won the championship, and instead they couldn't do it without him. So Interesting. That's what Pete Reeser did. He was carried off the field so many times, wow. but after a few years, he was never the same player again. The injury, But he could never dial it down. Like Wendell Clark, so let's right? Hope that George, and at different ages, <laughs> this is 31-year-old George right. Springer. Right. Okay? Right. After, thir- after twice this season, coming back too soon, and tweaking an injury to the point where he missed so much time. In my mind, to do that was a selfish thing to do. Okay. May I give you a, a great trivia question I, I, I received yesterday that got me really uh, got me really thinking, and I found it. I thought it was a good one. Are you ready? Just yeah. a real quick one. Sure. Name the player to have the longest Major League Baseball career entirely with the Toronto Blue Jays. So you're talking about the guy who played for the Blue Jays the most years, and that was the only team Correct. he ever played for. Correct, Amundo. Man, that's a good question. It is a good one, right? Because Dwayne Ward had a cup of coffee with the Braves before he yes, came he over. Yes, he did. That's right. And there's a whole bunch of examples where you think maybe wow, that's that a really guy. good. I know. So can you tell? Answer this for me. Yeah. How many years did he play for the Blue Jays? Nine. Nine seasons, and that's the only team he played for, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> that's a beautiful question. I know. I got it yesterday, uh, and it blew was my it a mind. Pitcher. No. Good guess, though, because I actually, my first guess was Luis Leal. But it, then it turned out it's only five years he played. Like I, yeah, uh, yeah, he didn't play nine I years. That's a, Mike, honest to God, that is a terrific question. <laughs> so do you want the answer? No. <laughs> You'll tell me later. Oh, okay. It's up you to tell you. Tell me now if you want. 
Well, I I feel I should tell so that the listeners. Now, who, who did this come from? Uh, there's a secret like uh, FOTM DM group on Twitter, and somebody asked it there. Now this has been confirmed. This is for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. This is like this m- is multiple sure. sources, or you trust the source. <laughs> It's been confirmed, yes. You trust the source. I, well, I, I, baseballreference.com confirmed it. For, oh, I corroborated baseball it. Baseballreference is an excellent source. And, okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So who, who is it? Garth Orge. I love it. I should know that too. Garth Orge, <laughs> nine years the old. Yeah, Garth Orge. And that, the only organization he played for. That tremendous, base, that tremendous batting stance we all imitated uh, back in primary school. Well, Garth, Garth and, his, uh, <laughs> and his wife, Patty. They were the ones who uh, put Tom Henke up when oh. he came to the uh, Jays. He didn't have a place to stay. Oh, I didn't know that. Stay, he slept on the couch at Garth and Patty Orge's. And Patty called me. She says, guess who I've got sleeping on my couch? Okay. <laughs> said, this kid, Henke, just came here, right? I said, oh, can I come over and interview him? I was at Global at the time. Like in the afternoon. Amazing. Went over with the camera. Like they had to wake him up from his nap, right? Right. So his hair was all messy and all that. Super nice guy. Amazing. How you doing? And then like within a week, he was like a superstar. Okay. I love that story. But real, my yeah. real quick is I, I remember, uh, of course, 1985 AL East. I was, I was like 10 years old, super excited to have my Blue Jays in the real playoffs. Anyway, I remember they had an interview of Garth Orge's mom and she admitted that she was cheering for the Royals. And I remember thinking like how tough it must be for Garth that the mom didn't give the old, like, oh, I'm cheering for both teams. Because of course, Mrs. Orge had uh, a son on both. Uh, the, the uh, Dane Orge was on the uh, Royals and Garth was on the Blue Jays, but she was rooting for the for the Royals in that series. So interesting. I think the Royals had been in the playoffs or close, you know, f- a fair bit. They much more battle tested, playoff tested. Right. <clears throat> I don't know if Dane was part of those teams, but anyway, uh, fine, Mrs. Orge. There you go. And she got her wish. I <laughs> she guess, got her wish. The they Royals won it all, as I recall. They won it all. All right, baseball this year, Mike is witnessing perhaps the greatest season ever by a player, and and I'm wondering. Had it not been during a pandemic and all the horrible things that are going on in the world, what the world might be saying about this guy. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't an Olympic year and everything else, Shohei Otani is doing what no other player in the history of the game has done. That includes Ruth, Gehrig, any legend you want to talk about. The other night, this guy pitches eight innings of one-run ball. Eight innings Mm -hmm. on the hill. Eight strikeouts. uh, I think no walks or one walk. And then... But he's only leading uh, two to one. So he's hanging on to a tight lead, and he doesn't want to give up the bullpen and all that. So now he comes up to the plate in the eighth, and he says, you know the expression, pitcher helping his own cause? It's a National League expression when the pitcher comes up and gets a hit and drives in a run or gets on base, which is a rare thing. This isn't even the National League. He's the American League where has a designated hitter, and, of course, he's the designated hitter. He's not. He's the pitcher, and he's hitting in the pitcher spot, and he's leading off. And he's leading 2-1, to one, and he's at the plate, and he hits his 40th home run of the season. <laughs> so now he gives himself a, an insurance run, and he sets the Angels' all-time record for most home runs in a season by a left-handed batter. Wow. 40. Wow. Breaking Reggie Jackson's record. Wow. So he's just broken Reggie Jackson's record. He's breaking records by freaking Cy Young. and He's breaking these records by great pitchers. The season isn't even close to being over, right? And this dude's got 40 home runs and 18 stolen bases and a great winning percentage. And he's the, one of the top pitchers in baseball. And how better, much better can he get? And, and he's such a great player that he will be the unanimous MVP in the American League. I mean, there is no discussion about any other player, and that includes... The wonderful Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Right. 
this poor schmuck, and I say that in the nicest way, <laughs> with the season that he's having, and not just at the plate, he is um, so much better as a first baseman than I think anyone thought. Agreed. He's gonna go. He's gonna get no MVP votes. None. He's gonna get zero. He's gonna go get a whole bunch of second place votes. But yes. I mean, how can you not vote for Shohei Otani? It's no matter how you look at it, it's the most remarkable season because he's playing every day and he's pitching every sixth day, and he's a spectacular pitcher too. I, in fact, if you were to say, would you, uh, if you had the choice, pitcher or hitter, what do you do? Right. Right. I mean, you've got to go hitter. But, but boy, he's such a good pitcher too. So I'm thinking, what if Tom Brady? Uh, was also uh, the greatest defensive lineman in the league, led the league in sacks. What if Tom Brady also led the league in sacks? What, how about this? Ready? <laughs> yeah. What if Carey Price, Carey Price was the uh, Art Ross Trophy winner as well? Right, right. Okay? Ludicrous. Now, I'm stretching it a bit here because that can't possibly happen. But in baseball, it can. You can dominate at this position, and never play that position. But to play both with such proficiency, such, I mean, what's the word? It's, I'm speechless on this. You know, we always, there was always that guy in, in your, on your high school team who was like your best pitcher, but also your best offensive right. player, right? That's kind of a common And your best, and he thing. was the best hockey player. Sure, on the, on and, the, hockey and he's a quarterback of the best football, football player, rugby right, player. Right, But like, I, I can't even, like my brain breaks. If I look, even let's go back 10 years, if I told you there was going to be an Otani, like this was going to be somebody who was the, pitching the way he pitches and hitting the way he hits, you wouldn't believe me. Like this is so mind-blowing. To me, this is, this is more surprising than COVID-19. It is. It, it, it's quite incredible. And wonderful to see. And unfortunately, he plays for a team we don't get to see that often. And they're not even close to being a great team. Mike Trout, who was, I don't know if he was, he wasn't the Shohei Otani. He was great, but I mean, he didn't pitch. And that's a big deal. It's, it's remarkable. They compare You can't make the comparison. No. Everyone goes to Babe Ruth because Babe Ruth is a guy. It's, go ahead. It's what Prince did musically, sonically, right. what he was capable of doing. And had he said, I'm only going to do this. And this, right, two op, uh, opposite things in the same realm. I'm not talking saying producing and playing, right? It's right. got to be two other things. It would be like he negotiated all of the record deals and um, royalties, or, and, and 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 also, yeah, like built the studio <laughs> with his own hands that he recorded right. in. Right. He was that, he was that. Proficient at two opposite. Like things. a Renaissance man. Like we're talking Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and. Uh, but maybe, yeah, no, no, no. Apparently he doesn't do anything else well. Is that right? No, apparently, yeah. He, he, he Just can't, those two doesn't things. choose clothes, apparently. Huh. He doesn't have. I was reading some stuff about oh. he's so great at this and that, but he's deficient in some other things. It was kind of tongue Kind of like stuff. Albert Einstein, though, where he said he, huh. he didn't know anyone's phone number because he's, he never believed in memorizing things that he could just look up at a book. Like he spent all of yeah. his brain power on. And that makes perfect sense. If you're that good at those things, right. then it's okay to be, you know, right. deficient in other things, other boxes. Wow. Anyway. wow. So, yeah, I love, I love this guy. And Vladdy, poor guy. He's going to be his. Remember Vladdy Guerrero had that fantastic season that nobody paid attention to? Like Pete, like Pistol Pete Reeser. <laughs> like that year right. that everyone Over, was paying attention to something else. Right, right. Okay. Joey Votto is going to be 38 years old next month. He seems to be getting better with age. I love this guy. 
Cincinnati Reds first baseman Toronto native has been on fire lately as the Reds battle for a playoff position after dropping off the past few years. Most folks thought Votto was done, but this year he has 27 homers, an OPS over 900. He had that streak going where he had, was it nine homers in seven straight games or something like crazy like that? Right. Uh, and he just had his 2,000th career hit, which a lot of people go, wow, 2,000. I mean, 3,000 is the standard. Folks, Tons nobody's getting 3,000 yeah. hits anymore. Right. That's like 300 wins for a pitcher. Like, those days are it's gone. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, how many did Halliday end up with? So like, many years. 250 or something? Yeah. And, yeah, and he used to complete remarkable. games. Those days are gone, right. too. So. And hits, I mean, even if the scorer gives you a bunch of hits in your career that should have been errors or whatever, you know, I'm going to give it to him. Still, 2,000 career hits is, is pretty big. Um, is Joey Votto, Mike, is he a Hall of Famer? Great question. Uh, almost as good as my Garth Orge question. I'm going to say at, when, when the dust settles and all said and done, I'm going to say yes. Seven times he led the league in OPS. Now, 20, 30 years ago, the voters would not have taken OPS into consideration as much. But uh, you're talking about a guy with a lifetime batting average of over 300, well over 300, I think, uh, and 2,000 career hits. And um, seven times leading the league in on-base percentage shows you the value of a walk. Quite remarkable. I say he's in the Hall of Fame. I also say when he retires, if he, if he wants, mm-hmm. he could have his own television show, his own series, He's that glib. He's that funny. He's that clever. He's that entertaining. He's that likable. Mm-hmm. You ask any kid that's a Cincinnati Reds fan or any kid that is suffering um, from a disease, is, is marginalized, however be it. Joey Votto is the guy, man. He, he's amazing when it comes to connecting with fans and just being so real. Agreed. As real as they come. I hope he has, I, I would love to see like the adventures of Joey or like Joey do whatever the fuck he wants to. He could be the host of Jeopardy. He'd be a better host. He's really Jeopardy. good. <laughs> uh, what blows my mind is that re- regardless of where he comes from, I would feel this way about him. He's extremely likable, which will help him with the Hall of Fame voting. I think he's going to be in. But uh, it's mind blowing to think he, I'm, I'm speaking to you from Etobicoke which for those who don't know is a, is in Toronto. It's a borough of Toronto. Uh, I can't believe he's from here. Like, that's just like, Oh, come on. Mind blowing. We can't believe he's from here. Okay. Na- why, name why the that? second, who's the second best Etobicoke player of all time. Oh, I don't know. I haven't paid attention, but he, you're, you're right. It's great that he's Dave from Bedini? here. And he's, and that he's that great. <laughs> that he's that. Yeah. Dave Bedini would be the second one. Uh, it is. It's fantastic. Um, but it just, it kind of goes to show you, man, he's a Canadian and he's, he represents, Canada, well, if if in fact he is representing Canada, which to us, you know, yeah, he's you know that's Joey Votto. He's I'm not sure everybody goes, hey, that's Joey Votto. He's Canadian. That's Joey Votto with the Reds. That's Joey Votto. You know, where someone is from is not that important. Like we didn't used to always go, Dave Steve from California. We didn't, <laughs> but we're proud of him, and well, sure. we should. And at the age of 38, because I thought by this time, you know, Joey Votto was a great story. 2010 MVP. That's a long time ago, man. He had a great career. Right. But now this resurgence, this renaissance is fantastic. So any concerns at all, though? Because historically, when there's been this late life, uh, late life, late, late career renaissance. Drugs? Yeah. Like at least talking. I mean, even with Joey Bats, there was talk about it because we like is an- to think that they're not. I mean, we want to think the best. We want to th- we want to believe, too, that the testing in baseball now has become so um, effective that no one would be dumb enough. 
See, this is where Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds ruined it for everybody because now we look at those career arcs and we say, uh, yeah, we look at it and say, oh my goodness, that makes sense. Mike, several listeners have complained about the coverage of the Blue Jays on their flagship uh, radio Mm. station, the Fan 590. One person called the fan, quote, a tire fire because of all their weekend programming, which is the syndicated stuff. So there's no live hosts from Toronto there. Right. And during the week, they've been running um, the Raj. Roger Lejoie, the ultimate utility man, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And that's a long shift, dude. Five hours, midday. That's a lot. But Hebsy, man, I I should let you finish, I suppose, before I jump in here. Uh, I was just going to say that this is August. Yeah, I'm not. This is August. This is historically when the radio people go on their uh, vacations. They get vacations, too. So I don't think. I think you got to look after Labor Day. If Roger Lejoie is hosting from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. after Labor Day, it's a tire fire. No, but wait a second, man. You know, give 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 some of your other broadcasters, like give Roger three and give somebody else a couple of hours. Come on. Five hours is a lot to ask for someone. That's I know. I know. I know. That's a lot. As well, the station is not sending Ben Wagner on the road for the radio-only calls, which makes the broadcast really sound amateurish. And here's why. The other night, the game was on YouTube. and You had the choice between the YouTube audio, the announcers there, one of whom I like, Dan Plesak, the other dude and the other people were just annoying to me. But it's a different type of broadcast. And sometimes I like it when they get the fans involved in that type of thing, roundtable-ish. But the other night I found I was a bit, I wanted to pay a little more attention to what was going on in the field. And when I flipped over to listen to Ben Wagner's audio, which you can do. I found that he was behind the play that I was watching. So I flipped over to the Washington nationals radio play by play. Now these guys were at the game in Washington. Right. And of course their broadcast is beautiful because they're there. They can see everything that's going, giving you a full picture, but also between innings when there were changes, defensive changes, pitching changes, they were there. They announced it. Well, Ben Wagner never got these changes. He's he's watching the video feed that they're providing him, and no one's showing a close-up of the new right fielder. Or there's there's Valera playing second base now, and they've moved Grichik over here. There were three moves that were made plus a pitching move that Ben, because I flipped back over. I had it on two monitors, actually. And I, flipped, and I wanted to hear whether Ben had this information. And he out loud said, I wish I had this information. I, mm. uh, I, you know, and then when he discovered that it was Valera playing second base, oh, there's it's Valera playing second, and he didn't know where he was in the batting order. Right, there was a double switch. Was he batting second? Was he batting in the pitcher's spot? But of course, the Washington broadcasters who were at the game knew and told me I knew all this. So I tweeted out to Ben Wagner, Ben Valera's playing second, batting second. So and so's playing left field, batting fourth. <laughs> While he is on the air saying that he is unaware of these changes. And you see that makes the Blue Jays look really, really bush. I shouldn't have to tune in the visiting team's broadcast because they're at the game to get the information. It's just cheap. So let me ask the big question. Let me ask the big question. Is it is it really to save a few bucks? Like, why isn't Ben Wagner at all? these? I, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, he's fully vaccinated. He's American. He can travel across the border. There's nothing that should prevent him <clears throat> from going. Bizarre. But if you're saying, if you're telling your listeners, we, we got you covered, man. But only at the games at, at the Dome. We got boots on the ground. We got a voice there. But only, but, but we can't do that on the road. Huh. 
And in this day and age, especially, I have to have up to the second information, which is in real time. It's the only way to do it. And what Ben is doing, unfortunately, it's not in real time because he isn't seeing everything there is to see. So the timing could be there, but also in the timing, it's like, I don't know who's playing right field. I wasn't made aware of the changes because I'm not in uh, Washington. And he said many times, I'm Ben Wagner from the Sportsnet Studios in Toronto. Right, right. You know, in other words, I'm letting you know, folks, I'm flying here by the seat of my pants, watching the game on monitor like you. I'll do my best. And in the meantime, I thought, why doesn't he have MLB.com right next to him? Right. And he will have the real-time, almost real-time updates from the game. It'll give you the pitching changes, the defensive changes, the batting order changes. Or just let Hebsey tweet you all the info you need. No, and, uh... I don't get paid for that. Anyway, that's Bush League <laughs> stuff. And I feel bad for Wagner. He's got to sit by himself and hope he can gather all the information necessary to do a decent broadcast. And, and considering what he has, he's doing a good job. He's got no color person. It's all him. Right. That's hard, man. It's a tough spot. Now, Gene Velaitis, uh just says he enjoyed the YouTube broadcast because there's no buck. Uh, Gene doesn't like the way buck <laughs> calls, a, calls a game. <laughs> oh, God. Let's go to tennis now. It's been quite interesting this summer. Uh, you got the Western and Southern Open. Last week I was at the, um, not the Rogers Cup anymore, it's the National Bank Open, presented by Rogers. <clears throat> right. It's the presenting sponsor. But not the title sponsor, Mike. Let's get the corporate sponsorship things right. You want to sell an event. You got the title sponsor. Right? You got the presenting sponsor. Right. You got your corporate sponsors. <laughs> you got your local sponsors. You got your national sponsors. You got nonprofit sponsors. Several levels. Right. Platinum, gold, silver, bronze, carrots. In tennis, the Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati, big tune-up for the U.S. Open, which is coming up. A couple of top Canadians, though, failed, and failed miserably, disappointingly, in their early round matches. And I'm talking about Bianca Andreescu, <clears throat> the George Springer of tennis players. What the fuck? It's just, she's always hurt. She's as injury-prone as Springer this year. Not as proven, though. I feel Springer, well, at she, least Springer's... Yeah, a, you're right. She's got a U.S. Open. Right. And he's got a World Series. So yes and no. But the expectations certainly are high. Okay, but I will say this because... Am I, am I right? The well, expectations for Bianca Andreescu and George Springer are about the same? Correct. But Humble Howard <laughs> likes to tell me because he loves golf. And he likes to say, you know, because he cheered for Tiger Woods, he got to see his team win all these Stanley Cups. And I always point out the obvious, which is if the NHL had four Stanley Cup playoffs every single calendar year, that's four cracks. It's not an equal compare. The U.S. Open does not equal the uh, World Series. There's only one a year in the in the MLB. It's, it's one-fourth as valuable. Well, for you, there's only one U.S. Open a year. But you're right. Out of okay, the well, so you mean majors are all kind of equal. Yeah. Okay. okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yesterday or the day before, um, Bianca went down in straight sets to somebody I've never heard of. Uh, and she's still suffering. Afterwards, she admitted she's still suffering from her toe injury. <clears throat> I don't know which toe. It might be both toes. Hmm. And again, knees, ankles, head and shoulders, knees and toes. It's, it's <laughs> one injury after another. Uh, will she ever regain the form that saw her win the U.S. Open in 2019? I don't know. Very young, though. Still very young. <clears throat> True, but injuries, man, have derailed many a career. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Denny Shapovalov has been... Awful since reaching the semifinals at Wimbledon. You know, we forget. It wasn't that long ago. But six, seven weeks ago, 
he went to he went to the semis and he battled Djokovic. He he lost in straight sets, but they were all seven six seven five seven five, I think. Right. Like he took him on. Oh, man, he played well. But since then, eh, eh, he lost to Frenchman Benoit Paire the other day, one of the most obnoxious tennis players <laughs> in the world, complaining, bitching, whining. Eh. Can't stand this guy. Um, however, Chapo's buddy Felix Oje Aliassime into the quarterfinals at Cincinnati, having beaten Matteo Berrettini yesterday. So I'm watching the TSN highlights last night. I think it's Jen Hedger, and I don't know who she was on with. I didn't recognize the other female voice. And she she says, uh, fun fact. She's showing the highlights of the Shapovalov Berrettini. Fun fact. Uh, sorry, it's Oje Aliassime Berrettini. Fun fact, as they're playing, they're dating cousins. Felix and Berrettini are dating two cousins, two female yeah. cousins. And I'm like, well, I knew that a long time ago. Oh, like a long time ago, I knew that, right? I'm okay. thinking, oh, she I hasn't been reading that. the tennis gossip stuff. Not gossip stuff. It's it's pretty much common knowledge to people that follow tennis that that um, they're dating, you know, cousins. It's a they're but not everybody nice watching. young ladies, and they happen to be <laughs> not, dating two pro tennis players. You act like everybody follows tennis the way you do. Uh, you're right. You're right. And I'm a, I'm a snob in that way, too. You know, I did go last Friday. I went and watched. You know, we saw the quarterfinals. We saw the eventual champion, Daniel Medvedev, who's a piece of work, too, yesterday, fucking moving the television cameras. It's in the way. <laughs> he, they moved the whole thing. You know how big those cameras are and those big motherfucking tripod? Not even a tripod. It's those... um. Oh, heck, what do they call those things? Big pedestals, man. They're big, huge things. They roll them up. He's, he wants to move it out of the way because it's like in his eye line or something like that. And he took a, takes a tumble, falls on his jaw. Holy shit. So we went and watched last week. It was great. It was fun to watch live, live tennis. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then the U.S. Open's coming up soon, too. So any Felix beats uh, Berrettini, a rematch of their um, Wimbledon where um, he lost to Berrettini. So he got revenge there. And now he gets the number two seed, Stefanos Tsitsipas. Or as Jeannie Bouchard called him, and I kind of like her, but Stefanos Tsitsipas. The S silent on the end. I'm not sure. I like the oh. Tsitsipas, though. It's a soft ending. Stefanos Tsitsipas. So I'm going to call him Tsitsipas because that's what Jeannie Bouchard called him. And by it, the it, way, she's French. she wants to work in television while she's still playing or when she retires. And she's got a job. For sure. Very good. For sure. Very, very articulate. Good sense of humor. Played really well. Played off very well with, um, I think it was Brad Fay and Robert Bettauer. No, uh, Jesse Levine. Mm. She might have been on with Bettauer too. Um, very good. Jeannie Bouchard. Uh, okay, so on the diff staff side, let's see what happened. Oh, yeah, Naomi Osaka, who's just having such a tough year. Lost to lefty Jill Teichman of Switzerland. Top seed Ash Barty is through to the quarterfinals. Uh, meanwhile, Rafael Nadal, because of a foot injury, is ending his season. He will not play in the U.S. Open. Roger Federer will not play in the U.S. Open. Dominique Thiem will not play in the U.S. Open. Serena Williams has yet to say that she'll play in the U.S. Open. How about Bianca and Serena in the main draw? Maybe not all the way to the final. Maybe early. Maybe they meet in like the third round. Or it depends on the seedings. I'd go for that. I'd like to see that. I think that could get Bianca um, jump-started again. Maybe Serena too. The Women's World Hockey Championship starts tonight, Mike. You know Ooh. where? I only know it because you told me it's in Halifax. No. No? Oh, no. Nope. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Where is it? It's... No, it's in Alberta. 
Okay, last year was in Halifax. Gotcha, gotcha. It was supposed to be, supposed in, Halifax, to be in Halifax, true. Right. And it was supposed to be last year. They canceled. It was supposed to be this April. They postponed it to May, and they said, no, we can't because we can't allow anyone into Nova Scotia because of COVID. You know who's from Truro? So it's in Calgary. It's in Calgary. <laughs> Arash, which is in Alberta. Arash Badani's from, uh, from Truro. So shout out to Arash. There you go. Shout out to Arash in Truro, Nova Scotia. Now, I, and you know what? We were scheduled to go out east this year, mm. and we were going to be there. Uh, potentially, they were going to have it at this time, but in Halifax. And we were going to be in Halifax. We were scheduled to be out down east at this time, and we were going to go. I think I had mentioned this to you. We were going to yes. go see the games. Right. But then they said, no, it's not even going to be there in August. We don't know. And then they said, no, Calgary said, we'll take it on. And Alberta had much more um, liberal laws when it came to traveling, et cetera. So it's in Calgary. Canada beat Finland in an exhibition game the other day. Mike, the only thing I can say about this is I, I'm not into it because I'm normally not into hockey in August anyway, and there's a lot more going on. And it's been postponed many times, but the women really have gotten the back of the hand from the IIHF here. Mm. You know, soccer just announced that they're going to have two new women's events, CONCACAF. Hockey still behind because they allowed the men's under 20 championship to take place in Dallas. Right. They allowed another, uh, the world championships to take place in Europe, but they would not allow the women's world championship to take place in Halifax, Toronto, in May, April, May, not even in August. Waited until now to have it in Calgary, kind of back of the burner thing. I feel bad. But as long as we beat the Americans, I'm good. Let me know when we play the Americans. Well, that's the gold medal game. So I'll be, uh, that's when I'll tune in as yeah, well. That's when I'll be tuning in. Me too. Okay, golf now. The Northern Trust Open is the, uh, the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs. 125 golfers tee it up. No, sorry, less than that. Patrick Reed withdrew. Um, last year's champion, or two years ago. Withdrew. Bad back. Poor guy. He's a jerk anyway. So 125 or 124, 123, tee it up. Top 70 move on to next week's event, the BMW Championship. That's the top 70 in the FedEx Cup's points, not necessarily the top 70 finishers. I know it's weird. Justin Thomas and John Rahm were your first-round leaders at 8-under. Everybody's out in the golf, golf course now, so um, I know that Mackenzie Hughes started with two birdies in his first three holes and then bogeyed four and five. Anyway, should be very exciting. As um, Corey Connors was at minus one, still in the hunt. Uh, Adam Hadwin is four over mm, in trouble. Roger Sloan, eight over. Thanks for coming out. At least he made the top 125. Of note, Bryson DeChambeau, who is an interesting guy to watch because he could do anything. He could blow up. He could make eagles from the fairway. Had nine birdies, but he also had five bogeys. And he also had two double bogeys. And he had two pars. So he finished even par, 71. All over the place. I'll be at Crosswinds this Sunday enjoying life and playing one of the nicest courses in the province, as you know. I expect, uh, you know, five bogeys and two doubles. I would take that. I'd take that any day of the week. Any day of the week. Um, hope to have it on Sunday. Crosswindsgolf.com. Go there. Book your tea time now. Tell them Hebsey sent you. Beautiful track. Really gorgeous. Always in magnificent shape your pictures from crosswinds are always epic like i just look forward to seeing them on uh, on my social feeds it looks beautiful you know when you live in the city you don't get views like that very often well you don't get them at all i mean you get nice views occasionally a beautiful home or a nice you know on the top of a hill looking down but when, the views you get there of right. the escarpment uh, right. at crosswinds and the, just you know the green of the grass versus the white of the sand and the different hues of the trees. It's quite beautiful. I can't so believe go that's to crosswindsgolf.com and book your tea time online and tell them Hebsey sent you. Okay. Hard to believe it's not some private course that none of us can afford. Like the fact you can actually, you know, book a tea time and go to that place. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. 
it was actually built as a private course. Oh. And, but they kind of didn't have, a, they couldn't get enough uh, members uh, to play, unfortunately, for the original owner. But fortunately for um, the Simon family, I guess, because it is, yeah, it's beautiful. And you're right, you do not get public facilities like that. Great value at Crosswinds. Josie Altador, mm-hmm. this was weird, man. He scored two goals all year for TFC. Yeah, I think he had two goals all last year. He announced on his Instagram account with a picture of him in a cast Ooh. that he had undergone knee surgery that like that morning. I didn't see anything from any member of the media. Wow. Nothing at all. Not and even then, you Beezer know, like man? an hour later or whenever they found out, you know, like, from it. Like, oh, so shit. Does Beezer like, find out uh, through the Instagram? Like he finds out when you find out by reading this uh, Instagram I, post? He, that was the first uh, proclamation. Wow. Wow. Was him releasing it on his Instagram, which I guess is what athletes are doing more often than not now. But they don't go the, to the team to announce okay. a press conference. They say, I'm going to do it on my own. Hmm. And here it is. It's out there now. Go ahead and comment all you want. Ask me questions afterwards. Instead of making the announcement, I'm, we're calling a press conference, ladies and gentlemen, or we're making an announcement. Players are just saying, man, I'm going to do it on my own. And for all I know, the team is saying, go ahead. Like, you know, we don't care. Huh. We're not going to stop you. So. Interesting. Um, so that, I guess that's it for Altador in a Reds uniform, right? Mm. Kind of a sour way to end. Kind of a weird way to end your season and end the, the I mean, the, the season's long but you since know what, the Reds. But a real, what's the word? Ignonymous? Um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking Not of? a bang, but a whimper? Is that- <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. But what's there's a word? Oh, my God. Ignominous? <laughs> it's just the way it ended on such a... Uh, uncharacteristic, unpopular. Uh, right. It's leave it's a bad a, taste in your mouth. But but, but I feel similar to TFC right now as I do to uh, the Raptors in that it seems so recent to me that we won the championship and those memories are still so fresh that I don't. You know, it's not as sad. Like it's like he they delivered. Josie was a key part of that championship uh, season. So, but uh, you know, age catches up, injuries catch up. And then, oh. listen, your knee, come on. You've played, Mike, before. It's not like cycling where, you know, where you're, you know, you're pounding that knee. Right, right, right. And your body weight. And, you know, they say that, generally speaking, four times your body weight is what your knees will take on in pressure. Right. You know, when you're doing activities And that's like why that. runners are so skinny because they, it's, you need to weigh. You need to have very less. little body weight because right. of the pounding that's going to be on your knees. So your knees are going to take three to four times of right. your body weight. Right. And if Josie Alsdor is 200 pounds. Big boy, yeah. I'm sorry, man, but at that age, especially, you can't take six to 800 pounds of pressure on your knees. Right. Hey, I want the subway story because I've been following on social, but just really quickly, I heard Masai say once again, Masai, you jury say that, you know, Kyle Lowry, greatest Raptor ever. I just feel we need a qualifier on this. Like just, just because, I mean, we all watched this team and and the greatest Raptor, again, a qualifier because it was only one season, but Kawhi Leonard is the greatest Raptor. Like that was the greatest Raptor performance ever delivering a championship that one season, Kawhi Leonard. Lowry is uh, like a different category. He's like most beloved uh spiritual leader raptor like how would you qualify it so do we have to is it necessary that every team every sport has to have its greatest and it has to be some type of an arguing point or well then what's uh, the point of any of this if we can't have uh, there uh, isn't and that's my my point is the the greatest of all time is 
all sub, it's subjective, right? But, and it's fun to bring it up, but after a while, it's not fun anymore because you're not proving anything. You have to just look at it and say, you know, he was a great contributor and is beloved. For sure. Um, is he the greatest of all time? You can say in my mind, he is the greatest of all time, but is it an arguing point? I, I, I really don't think so. Greatest in one season, greatest over a career, greatest right. because he won a championship. Right. You know, greatest not to have ever won a, um, a scoring title. I, I don't know. But after a while, it gets to be kind of like, I've heard this before. Is it Led Zeppelin, Beatles, <laughs> Stones, right. greatest, you know, right. it's it, forever. Right, right, right. Like the, stat, the first statue should be Kyle Lowry. I believe that in my heart. Yeah. But See, I, I don't I, like the statue thing either. Well, they have the leaf, all those leaf statues. Never like the idea that you're going to immortalize someone in bronze. But they do that for the leaf. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. One day, pick an athlete somewhere. Pick pick a Confederate general somewhere. Pick a prime minister or president somewhere in the world. Right. Some someone's going to take that statue down. Oh yeah, you're talking about like Kate if we, if Smith we had a, is going to be taken down. Kate Smith or Ro- General Robert E. Lee is going to be right. taken down. Sir Johnny McDonald's be taken down. Roberto Alomar is going to be taken. That's down. That's the one I was thinking of. If we had an Alomar okay, statue, it's just you know, it's, they would have taken it down. It's a freaking. It's a statue. Think about. Come on, it's the 21st century. We have to immortalize someone in bronze. Come on. Okay, but don't don't go looking outside Scotiabank Arena because you'll see several uh, people from Matt Sundin to uh, you know Teeter Kennedy. I got it. <laughs> so I'm on the subway the other day. And I walk in and sitting there with his feet across mm. three chairs, you know, three seats, and no mask on. It's under his chin. Right. He's looking at his device, paying no attention at all. And I'm like, man, this fucking guy knows you have to wear a mask. And he also should know that you don't fucking put your feet up on the fucking seats. <laughs> okay, so that's two things. But the number one thing, the mask. Dude. Right. Everybody's got to wear a mask. You're not wearing a mask. So I get, I catch his eye and I make the gesture mask on. Right. And I put my palm out towards where his feet are. Cause I'm sitting across from him. I put my palms out, like take your feet off the seat. And I mouth the words and he looks at me and he just looks down at his device. Now, many years ago, uh-huh. I would have gotten up from my seat, all six feet, three inches, 200 pounds, okay, of strapping, rock-hard, angry, testosterone-filled male. Right. And I would have got into his face, and I would have said, please take your feet off the seats and put your mask on. I'm not going to ask you again. That's what I would have done years ago. Had I done it the other day, things would not have worked out well. Why didn't you do that? Like what caused you to? Because there would have been a possibility that I could have been charged. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the early days of masking when people were charged with assault or what was it? terrorist something or whatever by if they took their mask off and came up and sneezed in your face stuff like that right people were doing shit like that sure and you could be charged with something like it was more than assault it was it had to do with like the the public health like the endangering the public health or it was a criminal charge that they would you know eventually it went away but at first it was like holy shit we can't let these people 
take their masks off and sneeze on purpose in front of people with masks on. Right. This was sort of the reverse thing. So I'm thinking, you know, I can't get in this. But think of, of the headlines. He- Mark Hebsher arrested for standing up to some, some punk who wouldn't wear a mask on the yeah. TTC. Like you'd be anyway, a, a folk so hero. As I'm, you know, I've grown older in years, I've mellowed a bit, but not to the point that I was going to let this go. So I took a photo, right? And I tweeted it out. Just so happened I was on a line where you occasionally will come and be able to get contact with, you know, um, the internet. Uh, I think it was Davisville Station. It might have been. But anyway, there's, you know, you know where it comes. Summerhill Station. There's a few of them there. Right. That Both you can, um, you know, so I po- posted the picture, tweeted out to TTC Helps, which is their customer service, and said, mm-hmm. basically, with the picture, dear TTC Helps, please inform me as to what to do. Um, I'm, I'm not a violent person but my fist is clenched and um, you know, what's the proper protocol that kind of a thing. Right. And uh, posted it. And it happened to be, again, I'm on the subway line and I, okay, I get the response and it TTC helps writes Mark violence is not the answer. You know, please contact TTC security. Do not attempt to, right. to um, um, approach this person you know, it's which is good advice. Good advice. Look after things, that kind of thing. So I look this up and it's still on my subway ride, whatever. Now I finally get off of my stop and I see there's all kinds of responses to my posting, like dozens of them. Right. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes and um, several to responding to TTC helps basically saying you, you jerks, like, you know, what kind of response is that? You know, if I can do something about this or he should be able to, or, you know, why you're lucky we don't have gun laws or I would, I kick the guy's ass, Hebsey, like stuff like that. Like, you know, don't let him get away with that punk. Other people are commenting on the guy's clothes. Like, Oh, look at those shoes with that shirt. And look at him. Look at the way he looks a punk, <laughs> all this type of stuff. Holy cow. Okay. This is do you know why? Wild. I mean, I'm not as big a guy as you. So that's partly, I don't want to get my ass kicked, but the reason I don't ever get physical of somebody like that is because I always assume they could have a knife on them or something. Like I'm not. Believe me, the thought crossed my yeah, mind. Yeah, like it's not like it'll be. A, not you'll true. be there to no. to have a fist fight, and they'll have a a gun or a knife or something, and then you'll be like, I should have just like it wasn't worth it, and you know. But when I when I took the picture, really, and I posted, it, I thought, all right, you know what? Someone's going to see this picture, and they're going to go, I know that guy, and he'll be shamed by somebody. Say, hey, I saw a picture or whatever it was, and maybe that'll knock some. I, I couldn't knock any sense into him. Right. Right. But maybe that picture will knock some sense. Go, oh, geez, maybe next time I won't put my feet up or maybe I'll put my fucking mask on. Ah, man. Uh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, what am I going to do? the best part of it all. Yeah. The best part. Yeah. This was last Tuesday. So now my son is coming over for dinner that night. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm making dinner and all that. We sit down and so I tell him what happened on the subway and he goes, oh, I know. I saw your tweet. Right. He says, in fact, I did my podcast this afternoon and your tweet was a big part of my podcast. <laughs> like my dad kicking ass and taking names. Hey, good content. And, and, and it was funny. His podcast is called the clean hamster podcast. Clean hamster His name's Dean Hebsher. Clean for Dean hamster for Hebsher. I thought, it was Oh, funny. I get it now. The clean hamster podcast. And he's and like, there's, the, and he tells the story of how he's proud of me, you know, standing up to this punk. And I'm going to listen you know, to this. I'm going to tune pretty in. pretty funny. You know? It's it right funny today. to hear your son go, you know, my dad was, you know, he wanted to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it for episode number 246 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Thanks to our wonderful sponsors. Thanks to you. You're the best, you guys. Thanks. Um, Crosswindsgolf.com, thank you so much. And manscaped.com, get 20% off your order and free shipping. 
by using the promo code Hebsy at checkout. Hebsy, on that note, KM in the YouTube channel has a good line here we can close with. Uh, we all need to grow a pair of groomed balls and speak up like Hebsy. There you go. And by the way, I'm told at least seven females have told me in person that they too mm. have ordered and used the Lawnmower 4.0. I've heard this as well. Okay. Then it does the job. Let's just put it that way. It does the job. Don't be using your kitchen scissors. Okay. Don't be using, you know, the, the boyfriend or the husband's, you know, razor blade or your own razor blade or your own scissors. Don't. <laughs> it's the lawnmower 4.0 from manscaped.com. Uh, free shipping and 20% um, off your order if you use the promo code HEBSY at checkout. All right. Thanks for allowing us in your headspace. Back with another episode next week. Love you. So long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.